0: Thanks for tuning in to Women in Product Marketing. I'm your host, Mary Sheehan with Adobe. In this week's episode, I sit down with Priya Gill, the VP of Product Marketing at Momentive, on how to up-level your messaging framework. I have to say that there were several parts of this conversation that completely blew my mind, and I can't wait for you to listen. We discuss Priya's transition into product marketing, how she's learned to be more strategic, and the core focus areas when creating impactful messaging. Priya also shares about the pie model. No, not the tasty dessert, but performance, image, and execution. Definitely something I'm going to be putting into practice myself. Shout out to our sponsor, Clue. That's Clue with a K, the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers who drive revenue for their business. Clue helps you collect, curate, and distribute competitive insights to enable sales and revenue teams to win more deals. Share real-time insights across your organization with Clue's dynamic battle cards, delivered everywhere your sales reps live, and allowing them to contribute insights from the field. It's competitive strategy as a key lever of revenue. Elevate your role and outmaneuver, outplay, and outmatch the competition with Clue. This show is produced by Sharebird, the knowledge-sharing platform for the fastest-growing teams. It's the place to get on-demand answers for your questions and learn from leaders in the top of their field. Want more advice and insights? Head to sharebird.com. All right, let's do this. Hello and welcome to Women in Product Marketing. I'm here today with Priya Gill, the Vice President of Product Marketing at Momentum. Priya, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you today. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be chatting. So first question for you, who inspires you? There's
1: been multiple people in my life that I would say that have inspired me throughout my life. And specifically two, one is my mom and the other was Indra Nui. So I think this is at the time when I was probably like eight, nine years old, when she became the CEO of PepsiCo. She's the first woman of color to ever lead a fortune 50 company. And for me, it was the first time that I'd ever seen someone who looked like me lead a company like that. And I think it just shed a light on the possibilities for women like me and that was something that was super impactful early on. But yeah, another major influencer in my life has been my mom. So when I was again, around that eight, nine year old timeframe, my dad actually experienced a brain aneurysm, which has completely rocked our family. And my mom was a homemaker at the time. But it was one of those things where some women may have just completely faltered and fell apart, but she pulled everything back together. And it's just been that way ever since whenever there's some sort of difficulty or something, Things that really sets her back. She never lets it push her in a negative way. She always proceeds forward and tries to find the light at the end of the tunnel. And that's something that I always like to lead my life by as well.
0: Wow, that's so amazing. And thank you so much for sharing both the CEO reference and also that personal story and how impactful it was to you at such a young age. I think that's why we do this show is to have examples of people like you now coming into the world and being able to lead and be examples for the next generation as well. So thank you so much for sharing that. And your mother sounds like an absolutely amazing person. I'm so glad that she was there in your life to be that example. Wow, that's just incredible. (laughs) Well, before we get into your role at Momentive, which I'm super excited to talk about, I actually wanted to hear a little bit more about your background because I don't know if we've ever had anyone on the show before that had gone to culinary school as part of their education before becoming a product marketer. So I wanted to talk about that and how that path maybe eventually led you into product marketing.
1: Yeah, I know. It's completely random. So at the time I worked at Boeing and the company at the time paid for any higher education as long as it was from an accredited school. I had already gotten accepted to UCLA. So i Been planning to go there in about a year. But in the meantime, I thought, well, you know, like I barely know how to cook. That seems like something that would be really fun to learn. And Boeing was willing to pay for it. And so I ended up just deciding to do it on a whim. I know it's something that's like absolutely crazy. But at the time, it made total sense to me. But I didn't realize I would absolutely fall in love with it. I did it for almost an entire year where I took lots of different classes from like the basics to baking to everything in between between. And I almost considered deferring my MBA just to finish up the certification, but in the end decided against it. It was something that would be very difficult to do, but it's something that's just stayed with me as a passion where I just absolutely love cooking. I cook every single day. I bake multiple times a week. It's just something that I really enjoy doing and has been a really great stress reliever. enough.
0: Wow. What are some of your favorite meals to cook?
1: Oh, it varies because there's various dishes that I like to make in different cuisines. I definitely inch more towards like Asian style cuisine, which is what I cook a lot from. So I love to make ramen, different types of curries. Sushi even is something that I enjoy making. So yeah, lots of different things on the Asian side of things. And I love to bake cookies and muffins and cakes and things like that. So my kids get to enjoy that quite a bit.
0: (laughs) Well, did the employees at Boeing get
1: to see the results
0: of this and get to have some incredible I did.
1: Cool. (laughs) We made a lot of fancy things there, like croissants and chocolates and eclairs and things like that. So I definitely fattened up my team at the link. Wow. Well, this is interesting. I feel like your parallel life is you becoming this
0: successful, amazing baker, but you chose the path of PMM. So (laughs) I want to hear about your role right now. Your VP at Momentive, Morgan Molnar on the show in our very first season, who I absolutely love. And I understand she's on your team, but love to hear more about what Momentive is today, what your team is all about and what the scope of your role is.
1: Yeah, so the way to that I describe it is Momentive is an agile experience management company. And what that means is that we enable businesses to uncover insights through surveys, market research, et cetera, to really help them understand their market, their brand, their employees, their customers, their products so that they can really make decisions that impact their business. They can take action on those results and they can really achieve, you know, measurable impact for their organization and for the people that they serve. The product marketing team at Momentive is an incredibly cross- functional team, there are multiple areas that we touch and that we impact. I would say some major areas include go-to-market strategy, competitive intelligence, sales and post-sales enablement, messaging and positioning. Customer marketing is also a huge one. So driving adoption, engagement, expansion with our existing customer base. There are just a lot of different areas that we touch and that we impact across the organization. It's a really strategic function within Momentum. And yeah, and I absolutely love working at the company. That's amazing,
0: and I can't wait to get into some of the nuts and bolts and talking about messaging and repositioning the company. We'll talk about that in just a bit. But before that, I wanted to hear a little bit more about your background before VP after culinary school. <laughs> <It laughs> Catch us up, and one of the things that I'd love to hear more about is how you rose so quickly. I mean, I think it's amazing that you've been able to be promoted, get into these new roles every year to every year and half as we were kind of talking about before the show. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that and any advice you'd have along the way.
1: Yeah, sure. So started off my career, interestingly enough, as an engineer. So I was an engineer for almost six years at Boeing before I realized that while I really loved the technical side of engineering, it just wasn't quite a fit for me personality wise, sitting at my computer coding focused on a very small piece of something that was much bigger. And so when I decided to go to MBA school, didn't know at the time that product marketing was what I wanted to do. I actually thought I wanted to do banking, which is why I did a small stint at Goldman Sachs, but realized, absolutely hated my life during that internship, realized it wasn't a good fit for me and really missed the technical side of things. And when I came upon product marketing towards my last year of MBA school, it really was this perfect blend of the technical side and the business side coming together where you needed to understand the technical aspects of the product that you were selling, but being able to position it in such a way that made it valuable and differentiated and something that would make customers want to purchase your product. And it just really blended a lot of the things that I actually really enjoyed doing, like writing and research and things of that nature. And so when I did the career switch at HP, it was, yeah, it was a fast ride from the start. I think it was just a really nice fit with the things that I was good at and that I really enjoyed. And I really, really enjoy product marketing. I think one of the things that I noticed early on in terms of the difference between the great PMMs that really rose to the top quickly versus some of the PMMs that struggled a little bit on the way are the ones that understood the importance of something that I call pie, which is performance image and exposure. So Mm -hmm. performance being, I think pretty obvious, like how are you performing at the company? What are the things that you're doing and you're accomplishing and how are you generating impact for the business? Image is how are you perceived by your peers, by management, by executives and exposure is who knows about all of the things that you're doing. So maybe you're doing so many amazing things. You're really creating impact, but not a whole lot of people know about it because you're kind of working behind the scenes. And I find wow. that at every company, the percentage of those three things varies. It could be that at company X, performance is incredibly important. A little bit of exposure, maybe not as much as image. Other companies, it could be completely equal. And then there may be others where exposure is something that's really, really important. And usually I try to find what that mix is at a given company. So I know how I should be spending my time and where I should be focusing. But I found that it's usually that perfect blend of those three if you're able to to really accomplish that and not necessarily rely on your manager. It's something that's self-driven. That's where I tend to see PMMs really rise quickly. And it's something that I've employed myself. That's amazing. I was just going to say, there's a joke somewhere that
0: relates your culinary and baking experience to the pie method. But I'm just going <laughs> to say, all jokes aside, I love that. And I've never heard it expressed so eloquently. So thank you. That's just great. That's my comment. No jokes. <laughs>
1: Had to throw a little bit of the food in there. I love yeah. it so much. <laughs> But yeah, no, that's, that's something that I've always followed immediately try to assess at this company, what matters. And then that's where I know where to focus my time. And usually I find that the biggest thing that you can do is set yourself up right from the get go. So your first three to six months. And so usually what I do is I always do an assessment in my first 30, 60, 90 days that I joined a company, I look at four core areas of a business. I look at the product. I look at sale, like the go-to-market functions so of sales and CS, I look At demand gen, and then I look at just how we address expansion, adoption, et cetera, within an organization. And I ask myself specific questions in each of those areas. And essentially, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to understand what is the low hanging fruit? Where are the areas where I can have immediate impact right away? That makes sense for a product marketing, whether I'm early on in my career or later on in my career. What are the specific areas that I can specifically impact? And that makes sense for me to impact. Impact because I'm within the product marketing organization and that's how I know specific areas that I need to focus. And usually you can learn a lot just by talking to people. So usually your manager will identify a set of people for you to talk to in your early days, but always make sure that you also ask those people, who else should I be talking to? Because 95% of the time they're going to identify someone for you that they believe is a rock star or someone that strong or impactful within an organization and that is actually important for you to know. So building those cross-functional relationships right away with the right people, especially when you don't know who those people are, but having those other folks, especially at the leadership level, help guide your way to me are some of the easy ways that I have really quick wins within an organization and how I can drive impact right away. And that has always contributed to a lot of my, you know, regardless of where I go, my ability to create impact so quickly that has led the pathway for quick promotions down the line. My mind is
0: kind of blown right now. I have to say this is about the 40th interview that I've done. And we've talked about listening tours and onboarding probably at least 10 times, but I've never heard a great articulation of the so what, and what do you then do with the listening tour and what's sort of the framework or the lens that you're looking at it. But that framework that you just laid out to be able to then have very quick impact in those four areas is so amazing. So everybody rewind to write those down. I think that's so cool. Yeah, there's something I saw recently. Brian Balfour wrote an article about the four market forces and it's something similar. It looks like, you know, product market fit, your market fit, your go-to-market. But I love how you have the four areas that you're pointing out that are really important for product marketing and making sure that you're able to assess and then figure out how you can impact. And then also that you're asking everyone to round out your listening tour group group, let's call it, and figure out who the most important people are that you should be making connections with. So thanks for sharing that. I think that's really helpful and actually actionable for those that are looking to get to the next level. What would you say has been the hardest part or the hardest transition for you? So sometimes on the show, we've talked about from IC to managing or managing managers or then becoming an executive, what do you think has been the hardest challenge within your path that you've seen so far?
1: Yeah, I would say that the hardest shift for me was moving from not necessarily IC to manager, but moving from manager to executive, where you're not just managing like a handful of people, you're managing either a large group of people or an entire organization. So multiple functions. It was one of those things where I was so used to being a major player and coach that once you transition to that executive level, it becomes much more important around being able to partner with a lot of the cross-functional leaders within an organization and really impact strategy. And so your role becomes much more strategic in nature versus tactical execution. And that was a shift for me because I was so used to doing a lot of things myself, especially working at companies. I mean, I've worked at a wide range of companies from major enterprises with tens of thousands of employees to a company with just a thousand employees. Definitely not like the tiny ones, which are little startups, but to some degree, I've always, Had to do a good amount of work myself. And that became an interesting shift, which was something that was even feedback from my manager, where she had to tell me that I'm just doing way too much IC work. And so for me, that was quite a bit of a shift. And I think that that's something too, when I look at even more junior employees, even the shift between becoming an IC to a director, that shift from lower level to an executive level is a shift because you have to change how you strategically think and the impact that you have. And I think for many folks, that tends to be a bit of a challenging shift.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for sharing that. Besides the feedback that you got from the manager, is there anything else that helps you or has helped you when you step into that role or when you step into a new role, like you did when you joined Momentive? that helps you look at the strategy, think about it through an executive lens versus that management lens?
1: Yeah, I think it really just comes down to, I mean, at every level, like there's, I strongly believe that product marketing is an incredibly strategic role. So whether you're a PMM or you're a VP, there's going to be strategy involved. It's just to the degree of what that strategy is and the, the impact and the implications of it. I found, especially at the executive level, it's not just about the strategy that you're influencing at that level. It's also about how are you impacting the team that you have and the leaders that you have on your team in order to ensure that they're driving impact within their teams. So management is also incredibly important. The strategic aspect of it is very important. Elevating the work of your team is also something that I think a lot of people don't think about because they think that if you do good work, then that's enough. But it goes back again to that framework where exposure is so key. So how do you elevate the exposure of it? It's not just about yourself anymore, right? Like the PI framework at that level, it's all about how do you expose across the team? How do you increase improvement performance across the team? How do I elevate the image of the entire team rather than just myself? And so that's just a shift that I've had to transition as I went from IC to manager to executive is it becomes less and less about myself, more and more about the team that I'm managing. And how do I ensure that that they're performant, that they're getting exposed, that we have a great image across the entire organization and ensuring that that happens on a consistent basis.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been really eye opening and so cool and just really mind blown, like I said. <laughs> so, thanks for sharing those insights. I'd love to move now into some questions from some of your recent AMAs. So, you've done a few AMAs with ShareBird on a range of topics. So I'd love to go into some of your top questions from there. But I'd love to understand first what is your overall process when developing a messaging platform from scratch?
1: Yeah, there's three core areas that I like to ensure that I have a solid understanding of before I create you know, new messaging and positioning and really ensure that it's going to resonate. First is you've got to understand your target buyer and their pain points. So getting a really clear understanding of who my target buyer is, whether that's their budget, What are their motivations to buy, their purchase blockers, and what their pain points are, especially as it relates to the problem space that your target buyer is looking to solve. The second is product knowledge. So what features and functionality are we delivering and how does that translate into a unique value proposition and set of customer benefits is also very important. And then the third core area that I focus on is really the competitive landscape. You really need to understand what your competitors are doing. What are they offering? How do they position their offerings so that you understand, understand how you can differentiate your own set of products or the product portfolio. From there, I actually like to leverage a messaging framework to really help me articulate everything from all of those core areas that I spoke about. So the target audience, the market trends, the problem statement, general customer challenges, pain points, the elevator pitch, what are the key solution benefits, which are supported by your core features. But I always like to keep that to the three to four main ones, what your competitive differentiation is. And then, of course, if you have any customer evidence or proof points, I find that to also be super impactful. And then finally, I usually go through like several rounds of edits after I receive feedback from both internal and external stakeholders. But if I do go the external stakeholder route, I usually try to keep it to just the key messages that I'm testing in the market.
0: Thanks for sharing that. I think that's such a thorough way to think about it. And then you're having inputs from all of these different areas to help you create something that's extremely comprehensive and really a helpful document. What do you do with that then? How do you socialize that or how do you make sure that that has impact in the activities that you're trying to do?
1: Yeah. I mean, when you're creating messaging and positioning, it's usually in support of a specific product or feature or solution launch. And so usually I find that everything starts with that messaging framework. And so once I have like, if this is for a specific product launch, and usually once I have the kickoff, basically every single cross-functional team that's going to be involved in that launch, whether that's with product, PR, sales, CS, et cetera, everybody leverages that messaging and positioning framework as the goal old star of what is going to be leveraged throughout the entire launch, just to ensure that we have a consistent messaging that's going out into the market. But it's usually the starting point for everything, for any sort of content that's going to be created, for the press release that's going to go out, for any of the social media that we end up doing, et cetera. It always starts with the messaging framework. It always starts with understanding who is it that we're targeting? What is it that they care about? And what are the key messages that are going to resonate with that audience?
0: That's great. Thanks for going into more detail with that. What about the obstacles that you might face when you're implementing new messaging?
1: Yeah, so I've primarily worked in the B2B space. so my answer is going to be a little bit more geared towards that. But really, it comes down to getting sales to fully adopt new messaging is something that I've always found to be a consistent challenge, especially for a product or service that may have existed for quite some time already. And you'll find that in many cases that even if you've done extensive training, that they end up reverting back to their standard discovery, their standard pitch, because it's what they're most comfortable with. So a few Tactics that I usually try to employ that typically work out well is number one, ensuring that you have alignment and buy in with your sales leadership because sales reps trust their managers and their leaders more than they're going to trust you. That's just the way it is. And so having that strong alignment with leadership and even just a few influential sales reps within the organization can go a long way. If your sales team is small, having these quick 15 minute chats to address individual problem points and questions can also be very effective. It's very time consuming, but it's effective. But if you have a large sales organization that you're working with, attending their team meetings or meeting in smaller group settings and conducting surveys can really help you get to the root of the problem quicker. And then also just realizing that a single sales training is very rarely enough, especially for a large enough messaging shift. So you really need to temper your expectations and coming up with creative ways to instill that new messaging over a quarter or multiple quarters is most likely going to be required.
0: I love the point about sales leadership, of course, but also about the influential sales folks. And I think that cannot be overstated. I've in the past actually used those sellers to be little mini internal case studies for me to get up at an all hands and actually share how the new messaging worked for them to show their numbers, to show how it's working, to have them lead trainings on the new pitch or the new messaging. So I love that you're leaning into that too. That can't be overstated, you know, just putting it into a document and leading the one sales training. And it's just kind of throwing it over the fence. You need to actually work with the team and figure out the E part of your pie, you know, how to make sure that that exposure is there to really increase impact. So I love that you mentioned that. So we all often talk about messaging in the context of a product launch. Can Mm -hmm. you share perspectives on repositioning for a broader reason? So maybe like the rebrand that you went through at Momentive, if you were there for that, but I'd love to hear about it when you're doing something more large scale.
1: Yeah, no. And I was actually there for the rebrand. So happy to talk about that a little bit. In many cases, when you're trying to reposition a mature or market leading product, it's because you're either trying to change your target market's perception of your product or the product portfolio, or you're trying to change the market perception of your brand relative to the competition. And so when it came to the momentum rebrand, like that's exactly what we were trying to do. We found that through our research, that despite the strong aided and unaided brand awareness that that we had with SurveyMonkey, which is just such a well-renowned brand, that the name was actually becoming very limiting for us as we were trying to push up market and lean into our enterprise strategy. The term survey was considered very functional and limiting to the category that we were trying to break into. And then the term monkey was bringing up perceptions of silly and cute, which really becomes a difficult hurdle to overcome when you're trying to sell software to enterprise buyers. So specifically what we did for the Momentum Rebrand, the first thing that we did was a of research. So we did both qualitative and quantitative studies in multiple countries. We had tens of thousands of respondents in total to the number, I think we did somewhere around 10 different types of studies to really ensure that we were instilling confidence in the direction and the decisions that we were making. And we also did a ton of interviewing and quantitative studies with prospective customers that fit within our target ICPs or ideal customer profiles, especially when it came down to determining what name we were going To choose The second thing that we did was we really ensured executive buy-in at every step. I mean, you're going to be pretty dead in the water if you didn't achieve alignment at the executive level from beginning to end. So we conducted interviews with all of our executive stakeholders, and we kept them apprised of all of the ongoing updates every step of the way. The third thing that we did was we formalized the new brand architecture and positioning, and we ensured that we both internally and externally, that that was something that was very clear. So determining how to structure different products, different brands, different solutions based on our long-term needs and how we plan to evolve those in the future. And then the last thing that we did was we treated the rebrand or the repositioning as a major product launch, because we want to generate as much excitement and awareness as possible, both internally and externally. So treating it as a major product launch really helped us ensure that we were going to achieve our intended outcomes, which was greater awareness, stronger brand perception, really ensuring that our target audiences were aware that we were making the strategic shift to the enter enterprise and that it was clear from the product portfolio that we were going to market with.
0: That's amazing. Thank you so much for laying out all the steps to get there. And I remember when it happened, I remember the launch moment. I think it was actually paired with your annual user conference, if I'm not mistaken, to kind of usher that in.
1: Was that right? Do you remember (laughs) if it happened with that? I don't think it was because it was like still in the height of the pandemic, right? Um, virtual conference. For it was a virtual conference. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's correct. It was a virtual conference, the conference that we unveiled it.
0: That's so cool. Well, congratulations. I know it's a huge uphill battle to do something like that. And so scary, but it really, it changed my brand perception of Momentum just as a of <laughs> one. So I think it's really amazing. And sometimes you have to do it and it's great. You were able to do the research before that showed that the perception was hurting you. And then now you've been able to up level and have this new name that can really usher in not just a rebrand that's kind of underselling it, but an entire repositioning. And even the way you're talking about the company now is so different when Morgan was on and we were talking about SurveyMonkey. So it's really clear how it's all come to life. So that's cool for me. This is, I think you're the first person we've had on that has also had someone from the same company been on. Oh, actually we had someone from Instacart, but it's just cool to see the brand progression as it's gone ahead. So thank you. All right. Last question for you from the AMAs. How do you measure the impact of product marketing in your company?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is something that I get asked a lot, especially because as you think about the metrics that PMM impacts, in many instances, they're more indirect versus directly driving, which I think is totally fine. Like from my perspective, I think that there are three metrics that I look at in terms of what we strongly influence, even if we don't directly drive them. The first is around pipeline and or bookings. And I think depending on whether you're demand gen led or your product growth led or both, those could be either one or both that you end up looking at. The second is around win rates through sales enablement and content efforts. And then the third is product adoption via growth efforts. Like these are the metrics from my perspective that I think we can directly tie to PMM. But I know that there are others that you can actually directly tie to PMM, but I find them to be a little bit less meaningful, like engagement rates on content that we've created or product launch metrics, which are much more a moment in time. And I think that it's totally fine that if you don't directly drive some of these major, metrics that I mentioned above, but I think really showing how involved we are and the partnership with PMM and how those things can positively shift or impact each of those metrics is I think what's key in my opinion and really show how like the value of product marketing.
0: Yeah, that's so helpful. I think, yeah, the closer you can get to revenue and the major metrics of the business, the better your PMM team will be. But also showing that partnership, I think is incredibly important if you're unable to do that with the methodology that you have. So thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. All right, time for rapid fire. So I'd (laughs) love to know who your strongest mentors have been along the way or what your approach to mentorship has been.
1: Yeah, I've found that some of the biggest mentors that I've had or strongest mentors I've had have funny enough happened organically and have a lot of them have been former managers. I think when you've worked at smaller companies, sometimes there's so much change that happens that you can end up having multiple managers in a small period of time. But I've actually have found that the upside of that is that I get exposed to a lot of different leadership styles and really see what works and what doesn't work. For me, the best way that I learned is by observing and mimicking some of the best or strongest mentors that I've had have been a couple of my former managers or leaders who have led organizations that I worked at. The two that come to mind, one is someone named Sanjay Manchanda. He's currently the CMO of Charge B, but he was really the first PMM leader that I had that really showed me the power of leading with empathy and instilling confidence in your organization. He was really a manager that really uplifted me and gave me a lot of confidence in my role and in my abilities. And he's someone that I still keep in contact with today. We talk multiple times a year. And then another person that I really admire and someone that I also had looked to for mentorship as well as someone named Carrie Palin. She's currently the CMO of Cisco, but previously she was the CMO of Box. And she really showed me that, especially as I was getting into the transition of thinking about motherhood and becoming a mom, she really showed me that that is something that that should never be a hindrance to your career. She talked to me a lot about when she first became a director that she was pregnant at the time. And, you know, it was something that she was really concerned about and through her own experiences, she really saw that becoming a mom and trying to go into that next stage of life is something that should never impact your career in any way. And in fact makes you a stronger leader, especially coming out of motherhood. And so that was something that I have always looked back on as like such a key moment and experience in my career because it was something that I was so scared and worried about was becoming a mom. And what did that mean for my rise and what I wanted to accomplish in my career? And I've found exactly as she pointed out that it was something that didn't hinder it at any point at all. So I had two babies while I was at box. I was there for six years. I was promoted three times. Having children had zero impact on my career.
0: That's amazing. I mean, damn, we know how to prioritize, right? (laughs) (laughs) We both have two kids under five. We were talking before the show. And I mean, it's real. I mean, I think that I would hire any working parent now, especially understanding all the things that we go through. That's pretty amazing. So what incredible advice to get before you thought through or before you started having children. And it's so amazing to see it play out. I'm so happy you shared that. (laughs) If you can boil it down, what is one thing that's been the most important in terms of growing your career?
1: I know I've like already said it multiple times, but I like the, you know, that pie framework I talked about, it, but it's really, you know, when I think about growing my career and what has really helped me to accelerate has it's really been about that, like that winning combination of high performance, strong personal brand and exposure to your work at the senior level that really helps to set you apart from your peers and understanding that it's something that's primarily self-driven and not necessarily driven by your manager. Because I think that there are a lot of PMMs out there who are really great at, you know, go to market strategy, messaging and positioning, sales enablement, et cetera, like the core fundamentals of product marketing, but really what differentiates all of those great PMMs who are strong in their fundamentals from the ones that rise to the top. From my perspective is that, can you take the great performance and all of the impact that you're having in the organization? And can you ensure that you're exposing that to to the people that matter? And do you have a strong reputation with within the organization. Do you have all of those three components together to really help drive and accelerate your career? I think for me, that's kind of been the one thing that's been important for me in understanding and really growing my career.
0: I love that so much. Again, thank you. For sharing I'm like, I'm gonna write it out, send it to everyone. I I like, where are you on the pie? Are you thinking about it. Right the piece is the biggest for you. Let's, let's build that up a little bit. All right. Well, very last question for you. Why product marketing?
1: So for me, it's interesting because it wasn't something that I got into right away. It was something that I transitioned into. And I would say well, there's two parts to my answer. One is what is it that first attracted me to it? And I think it was what I mentioned earlier, which is that it's that perfect blend of business and technical acumen, which was something that I was specifically looking for. Like I absolutely love to write. Funny enough, I actually originally before I ended up doing engineering, I planted to major in creative writing, which wow. is a huge departure from engineering. But I absolutely love to write. And I think that that's like a big part of what you end up doing in product marketing. But being able to blend some of the interests that I had with that technical side, I really enjoyed and being closer to the customer. It was just such a perfect blend. But what's really kept me in the role and why I continue to love it and do what I do every day, it's from my perspective, it's the most strategic role in all of marketing. And I think that the impact that we have just in multiple areas of the organization, whether that's demand, And sales, CS, expanding within the customer base, the product and influencing the product roadmap. There's just so many areas of the business that we impact. And it's everything that you do within this role can be so different every single day. I think those are the types of things about it that really keep me interested and keep me staying. I just think it's such an interesting job and it's so multifaceted and you have such major impact. I think there's so many things about it that I love. Well, Priya,
0: thank you so much. This has been such an inspiring conversation for me personally and had several aha moments today. And I just really appreciate your wisdom and you being here on the show today. Thank you so much for spending the time.
1: Yeah, I was happy to do it. Thanks for having me. This show is produced by Sharebird, the knowledge sharing platform for the fastest
0: growing teams. It's the place to get on-demand answers to your questions and learn from the leaders in the top of their field. Want more advice and insights? Head to sharebird.com. We'll also link Priya's AMA in the show notes. Shout out to our sponsor, Clue. That's Clue with a K, the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers who drive revenue for their business.